It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We've got a good one in store today. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, the author of a novel, pretty interesting, called Mart of Darkness. It's... uh, Pretty funny, from uh, Phil Granchy. And in the second hour, we're going to talk about uh, back to school and the Delta variant with Dr. Tracy Weeks. But first, we're going to talk with uh, the author of a new book called Why People Don't Like You. And uh, you might think that's... uh, Well, kind of an odd title for a New Jersey assemblyman, but uh, once you find out, he's also known as the funniest lawyer in New Jersey. It makes a little more sense. John Bramnick joins me by phone. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Tom. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, How does uh, a New Jersey assemblyman become known as the funniest lawyer in New Jersey? Well, I 
entered a contest many years ago to be the funniest lawyer in New Jersey, and I won every time they had the contest, and then they stopped having the contest. So I decided to carry that title. I trademarked it, and now I do stand-up comedy at the hotels in Atlantic City and around the state and country, and I do comedy related to the law practice and being a politician. And as a New Jersey politician, I got plenty of material. I would think, and and you're also uh, designated, are you still the uh, minority leader? I am, which is unusual to have a Republican leader in the legislature and also funny. So (laughs) that's something I play off on quite a bit. Most people think the Republicans aren't funny. I said, you haven't been in Jersey. We're funny. (laughs) Republicans in Jersey are especially funny. Because we're in the minority, so well, you we, have, we don't get to do a lot. <laughs> you kind of have to be funny when you're that much in the minority, John. Yeah, we're, we're way in the minority. When I'm talking about, like, I haven't been in the majority. I've been in the legislature almost 20 years. I have not been in the majority one day. So that's why you have to have a sense of humor. I have uh, a weekly uh, roundtable uh, political discussion and uh, one of the uh, one of the roundtable regulars is uh, a black Republican from Genesee County here where the show is based. And Genesee County was uh, kind of the home of the UAW. And everybody was a Democrat, whether they were or not. And, and I've asked him a couple times which made him feel more like a minority, being black or being a Republican in Genesee County. I imagine the same sort of thing could happen in New Jersey. Oh, no, no doubt about that. Up in Hudson County, which is pretty much all Democratic, Governor Byrne used to say he wants to be buried in Hudson County so he can continue to vote. <laughs> we're we're close enough to Chicago to really understand that. <laughs> yeah, same exactly, exactly the same concept. Yeah. In fact, I always thought it'd be kind of funny to take those little I voted stickers and go around and put them on headstones at a You know, that's hilarious. I'm putting that I got to do comedy tonight. So 100% <laughs> that I'm going to steal that joke and I'm, unfortunately Tom I'm not giving you any credit, you know, I you know I will but in Jersey, you know, we're, we're not that generous, you know. So <laughs> I might mention that I spoke to a radio host somewhere in the country. Yeah, well that falls under the Milton Berle rule where all is uh, fair game. Well, you mean I know a good joke when I steal one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> John, tell me about the idea for this book, why people don't like you. It's, you know, at first it seems like it's going to be uh, just, you know, completely sarcastic, completely tongue-in-cheek, but, but then it really does break down things that people do that, that get in the way of having other people like them. You know, it's interesting. I believe that interpersonal skills and being liked can make you very, very successful. I'm not just talking about successful. I say unbelievably successful. Now, I go around every night, sometimes two or three events, especially prior to COVID, and people will say things, right? And I'm saying to myself, why would you ever say that? First, let me start. Somebody comes up and says, you look tired. What is the point? Unless you're the mother or the doctor. Don't pe- tell people they look tired. Basically, you're telling them they don't look good, number one. Number <laughs> two, listen to them. I went to an event one night with a very powerful person who never met me before. He spoke at me for 20 minutes. At the end, he goes, John, I never met you before. Now, I didn't say one word. He goes, I really enjoyed talking with you. Of course he did, because I didn't say a word. 
All I did was focus. Remember, eye contact's number one. Number two, you shake your head and you agree, and you look interested. You will be the most popular human being who's ever existed on the earth. Don't enter. Just listen. There's a lawyer actually from Indianapolis named David Shane. I once asked David, why does everybody love you? And he goes like this, I just listen. <laughs> if you do that, if you do that, I promise you that people go, oh, John Bramnick, oh, Tom Sumner, what a, I met Tom Sumner, a radio star, and he's what a great guy. Don't say anything. Zero. That's funny. Because every that, time you say something, I'm sorry, every time you say something, if you say something that you that they disagree with, you just lost some points. Why talk? You remind me of the uh, the quote, and I, I won't get it exactly right. I'll just paraphrase it from Winston Churchill, where he says, "An ideal evening is a nice dinner, good wine, a cigar, and you know, a, a, a jovial conversation with myself as the principal <laughs> conversationalist." <laughs> I never heard that before, but that is. Fabulous. Here's the other thing. Somebody comes to my house. Well, first of all, if you go to somebody's house for dinner, you don't bring anything, really. I mean, you should be punished, right? But sometimes people bring a bottle of wine. 20 minutes later, they say, hey, John, uh, why don't we open that bottle of wine? If you're bringing a bottle of wine and you're drinking the wine, it's no longer a gift, okay? Bring two bottles of wine. Here's one for you, and here's one I'm going to drink at your house. People don't, but the reason these things are so important, people judge you on these little things things right i you know I've, I've been with every one of the governors in the state of new jersey for 25 years right and my wife will meet them regardless of their policies she'll go oh i really democrat republican i have to be a republican and she'll go like this oh i like this guy oh i don't like that guy so whoa, 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 whoa. He, it has n people will overlook your big policy differences if interpersonally you're kind you listen you're helpful that's a big deal you know, it, it it reminds me of this whole notion about social media now, where it's it, it's all output. They're, they're, I mean, yeah, you can read the comments that other people put out there, but that's not the same as listening. Oh, no, of course. And the social media, the crazy people tend to control the social media. I actually, my comedy tonight is I'm, I'm going to actually introduce a law, free psychiatric help for the crazy people on social media, right? These are the people. <laughs> I mean, first of all, we call it an exhausted majority. Most people today are just exhausted from the nonsense on both sides. You don't hear from people, go, I'm just exhausted with this back and forth, this hate stuff. This is a small group of people. Most people are reasonable. They got common sense. They're, but they're now they're all exhausted. And I thought that was brilliant. It was actually on another radio show. I'm not giving that guy credit either. I'm like, I can't remember who it was. But the exhausted majority, I thought, was a real good definition of what we have today. That's interesting. Who was the, uh, the, the Republican uh, uh, pundit that... that um left the Republican Party over his differences with then-President Trump. Will, um... Well, it's not George Will. You know, I don't, there's George so Will. Many, George Will was it George is Will? who I'm thinking of. And I think I read somewhere where, it, I, I think it was George Will who said that the, um, if the undecideds were a party... It would be the largest party in the country. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, I'm stealing another one, Tom. It is unbelievable. Uh, I got a couple others. Well, I, lo- I love these things. Okay. You know why? Uh, why did the uh, <laughs> why did the wasp cross the road? Why is that? To get to the middle. You know some. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to call every day. I need this material. Uh, and and there's, there's a number of things in the book. I have 200. My wife actually did the drawing, so it's easy. Like you, It's just the comment and then my wife's drawings. Of course, I'd come home every night and say, and my wife's an artist. I said, you got to draw this. But here's my favorite. The only people who care about your success are your mom and dad, right? Nobody else wants to hear about your success. There's no reason to talk about it. Now, your mother and father, they like it. Your siblings aren't crazy about it. I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying maybe they like it, but don't tell them that. People, I never understand people who brag. Now, think about this. Let's assume I had a private plane, which I don't, right? And I went around telling you had a private plane. If you don't have a private plane, obviously I'm making you feel badly. Or I got a fancy car. Why should you talk about what you have? Unless, look, if both of you are Bentley owners or something, you want to talk about the Bentley, that's fine. But everybody else, why would you brag? I, I, it's, it's <laughs> it's the, like telling, I just can't possibly imagine that. It's like telling the guy that you just said looked tired that you're feeling pretty rested because you just flew in on your private jet. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one that gets me completely nuts is people who are late. Okay, I'm going to tell you, if there's one thing that gets me crazy here, I leave at 1130 for a lunch that's at 12 and I give myself 15 minutes extra. That person comes in at 10 after 12 and goes, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. I stopped doing stuff so I would not inconvenience you and you are late. Let me tell you, I will hold that. Are you kidding me? You can't make sure you get there on time. I have to wait for you. I, I don't, and those are people, certain people just can't be early. It's a, it, it fundamentally destroys their insides. Me, I can't be late. I, I'd start shaking. John, there's uh, another one that, uh, that I get a big kick out of. They talk about uh, politicians lying all the time. And I'll just share this with you. I'm, I'm actually killing time a little bit, John, because we have a break coming up in just a moment, and I hope you'll stick around and we can talk some more. Of course. Uh, but, but the story goes, these uh, two politicians are uh, having an argument, and one says to the other, are you lying to me? And he goes, yeah, but hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you give me plenty of material. You ever heard of one of the politicians late? And uh, and there's a guy who always, he's kind of a sharp-looking guy. I said, don't worry. He gave me a good excuse. He got caught in front of a mirror. <laughs> That's good. Now, see, now I'm going to start stealing stuff from you, John. Um, but we're going to steal away for a minute and take a uh, short break. My guest is John Bramnick. He is uh, the New Jersey Assemblyman, known as the funniest lawyer in New Jersey, and author of the new book, Why People Don't like you. We're going to let our broadcast partners at 92.1 FM in Flint squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do uh, when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We've got uh, lots more fun with uh, 
my new favorite Republican, right after this. It's me, Tigger, T-I-Double-G-R, that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with the New Jersey Assemblyman known as the funniest lawyer in New Jersey and author of the new book, Why People Don't Like You, with over 200 rules on uh, things for work and life, from uh, John Bramnick, who joins me by phone. John, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, I enjoy that. I, love, I get material from commercials. It's very interesting. I love, <laughs> you know, there's always material no matter what. Like today now they add these prescription ads uh, for drugs on TV. I'm thinking, now you tell your doctor what prescription you need? I'm going like, and they tell you the warnings. I'm thinking, if your doctor's listening to you on what prescription medicine you should take, you better check out your doctor. Like they're supposed to tell you what prescription medicine to take. Or start telling your neighbors and charge them. Yeah, that's right. You could be a consultant. Uh, the other <laughs> thing, Mike Duhame, who is the former political director at the White House and is one of my advisors, said, if you want to keep a secret, don't tell anybody. Like, yeah, everybody doesn't look at a secret for you. First of all, the person can't remember it was a secret, and then they tell somebody else it's a secret. So best advice I ever heard. If you, if you want to keep a secret, don't, talk, don't tell anybody. And why is it so hard for us to do that? Well, because we're social creatures, right? Is that why and we walk into a room, walk up to somebody, and say, you look tired? Well, I we think just can't people help it. sometimes, you've heard an outside voice and an inside voice, right? Yeah. There are people who have things in their head, right? Just because it's in your head doesn't mean you should say it. Like, you got to have this, like, pause between what your brain's thinking and what your mouth is going to say. Because it, once you say something negative... That will really affect the other person's karma, and they're not going to be around. They won't want to be around you. Say something nice. You look great. You lost weight. So great to see you. Why would you ever say anything negative to anyone? You know that's that's such uh, that's so wonderful to hear someone say, John, especially somebody in elected office in these days where. You know, so much of the time, and we talked about it a little bit in the last segment about social media, but, you know, there's just this rhetoric back and forth, some say across the aisles, some say it's, you know, social divisions, but the idea that I'm right and you're a moron. Well, unfortunately, the way they've gerrymandered districts today, meaning that they've made Republican districts and Democratic districts. So what happens is the politician is playing to the base because they're afraid of a primary. So they have to continue to speak to the base of their parties so there's no middle ground. And then the people who are the loudest on social media are the most extreme. So we think everyone's extreme, and we think that politicians are extreme because they're playing to their base. And that's what, in my judgment, if you had competitive districts throughout the country, you wouldn't have this partisanship because people would have to get the vote from the middle of their district or in the middle of the country. It's, it's, um, I, I, I can't help wondering, John, when, uh, when it occurred to you, what did somebody say to you? Was it a single event or, uh, or several events that made John Bramnick think, you know, 
I, I got to write a book about what people shouldn't say to people. Was was there my, was my there a single life. moment? My entire life, because I've met, there's a fellow who was in the United States Senate for about seven months, appointed by Chris Christie named Jeff Chiesa. He always say, says something positive. He's a brilliant lawyer, but more importantly, everybody loves him. So I really studying success. That's really, I'm going to watch, my God, that person is so successful. Why? It doesn't mean they're smarter than the next lawyer or smarter than the next politician. People like them. So it's been, and, and, and when I watch people do stupid stuff and become unpopular, I say to myself, why would you do that? You, you, you're not going to have friends. You, you know, you're not going to do well in terms of social interaction. So it's been part of my passion. I love teaching this. I go into companies. I don't charge anybody anything to do this, right? I just love to tell people, are you kidding me? You, you did that? What? It's just, it, it, I just don't understand. It's like almost people are sabotaging themselves, but they don't know they're sabotaging themselves. How do you, how do you reconcile the success of Donald Trump, who usually had something pretty horrible to say about anybody? That is a really great question. That was a reaction to politicians generally. People were tired of not knowing what people were saying. That politician who talks, I call it political talk, right? Chris Christie stopped doing that years ago. Donald Trump got out there and didn't sound like a politician. Very different. And if you ask people, do you think he's a good guy? Like, nah, nah, nah. Now, remember, that's somebody running for president who looks different than the other nine or ten Republicans who ran against him. Therefore, he was able to carve out a path. That's very different than doing that in a small social environment. The country, after seeing like political correctness for so long, Donald Trump was a reaction to that political correctness. But if you ask people, if, when we've done these surveys, do you think he's a good person or a good guy? Nah, nah, I mean, you, you know. So it's very different what I'm talking about and what a politician, let's say, six, seven years ago needed to do to win this country, right? So com good, brilliant question, brilliant question, but not... Uh, exactly what I'm talking about now. If, if I was an advisor, yeah, because he's somebody, got such a love. He's got such a love-hate thing going on. I mean, even still, even you know, now that we're almost a, you know a year out of office, you know, there's still people out there, you know, that are just completely enamored with him because people are frustrated and mad with government. So there's old psychological theory. If A and B don't like C, then A and B will have something in common, like each other. So here's Donald Trump who comes, ah, government, dad, no government. And people go, yeah, I agree with him. I hate that too, blah, blah, blah. So that's why that 40% that stuck with him, they're mad as hell, just like he says he is. Look, I've never been a fan, even though I'm the Republican leader in the House. Actually, the Trumpers ran against me in a primary because I wouldn't uh, endorse him and apologize for him, right? Uh, the bottom line is, or not apologize, apologize to him. So my point is this, is that that's a very unusual situation, but it's got nothing to do with how you would win friends and influence people, as Dale Carnegie used to say. And, and this, uh, again, this book, and, and I love the title, John, Why People Don't Like You. You have to pick that up. 
<laughs> and find out why don't people like me? Um, it's only available on Amazon because I haven't really gone to the bookstores yet, so that's the only really source. Um, and I just, I just love talking about this. I could talk about this forever because I see people could be so successful if they would. As Lisa Hetfield said, the head of the Women's Institute for Leadership in New Jersey, she goes, "No one ever got in trouble for saying too little." That's true. That's true. But listening is is at the the key of this, and you talked about that a great deal in the uh, in the last segment. Um, one of your rules is, or one of the things that you talk about in the book is how to shut up and just listen. <laughs> Most important. If you listen, I had an, a uh, an aide once who would just stare at the person, shake his head, and smile, and everyone loved Ben. Ben DeMars, who eventually went to Washington to work in the administration, people go like, oh, I love Ben. Ben stabbed. I go, what? Ben never said one word. Not one word. And I'd come back, they go, how's Ben? Where's Ben? I go, what? Because all he did was he gave everybody a sympathetic ear. So listening, number one. And not only that, think about this. Let's assume you don't know what's going on. No sense talking, as they say, you know, it's better to be silent and thought a fool, right? I mean, if you listen, people yeah, love that, you. Is that Mark Twain or Will Rogers? I think yeah, you got me on that. I could never go on Jeopardy because yeah. I can't get one answer on that show. <laughs> Who knows this 13th century British literature? Who are these people? I, I don't know. I don't like anybody on Jeopardy because they're so smart, I don't want to hang out with them. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I think, I, yeah, that's that's always been one of my favorite um quotes is uh you know if you're it's better to be silent and thought a fool than speak up and prove it how about when people have a throwaway question like hey how you doing or how's your golf game and the person starts telling you like it's a throwaway question okay <laughs> and then they go on for eight. and what about the people who stop at your table when you're having dinner right that you should be humming in your ear the theme from Jeopardy, and when that's over, you should move on. And then what happens is, don't they have a like a sound that goes off in their head that they've been there too long? How about people talk at you and don't even give you an opportunity to interrupt? I sometimes I go, is there an intermission here because I'd like to get a drink of water? Can I use the restroom? <laughs> I mean, what's the matter with these people? They just how about are you asking me a question or is this a lecture series? Right. <laughs> I, I, I just, it's, it's so amazing. It seems like this is all common sense, John. Exactly. And that's what these people are lacking because they're so caught up in their head that they're not thinking of the other person. If you're thinking of the other person, you will not make a mistake. You don't need to buy the book on Amazon. You just think about the other person, save the 20 bucks. Don't buy the book. Just think about the other person, and you don't have to read anything. There's uh, a story I think you would uh, get a kick out of. Uh, an old Jewish guy goes into a Catholic church and steps into the confessional. And he, he tells the priest, he tells the priest, um, yesterday afternoon I, I met a beautiful blonde. She was in her mid-twenties, had long blonde hair and a great body, and she invited me up to her hotel room, and, and we made love 
all day. And he said, well, you're Jewish, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. And he says, well, this is a Catholic church. I'm a priest. Why are you telling me? He said, I'm telling everybody. You you know, that's exactly my point. My point is people want to tell you everything about themselves, right? And the truth of the matter is I do tell stories, but they're self-deprecating. I will say things where I make a mistake or I did something stupid, but I really never talk about any success I've had. I don't go and say, you know, I did comedy last night, and i got to tell you I killed it. I was fat as a standing <laughs> ovation. But I will say when I make a mistake, because people, if you watch the news, they put bad news on. People want to hear, you know, the dumb stuff you did. And that's, that's kind of what I will concentrate on. My wife, as my mother used to get a little mad, and my wife does, when, why do you put yourself down, right? And I go, be honest with you, people are not that interested in your success. So I do tell stories, the mistakes I make. It's interesting you say that, John, because I I don't think being self-deprecating indicates any lack of self-confidence. Well, you're right. It's exactly the opposite. But when your wife and your mom, okay, you know, they're your big fans, right? (laughs) Do they they follow you around and say, no, he's really great? (laughs) Well, my, my wife gets mad. I do one joke that I don't read the classics. Tale of Two Cities, I don't read Shakespeare, right? I watch a lot of TV. She hates that joke, right? Because she doesn't want me... First of all, I said, it is a joke, okay? It is comedy. And then I go and talk about what kind of TV I watch. She goes, I hate I hate that joke. I hate that joke. I mean, you're making yourself stupid. I go, it's... I am a comedian, okay? It's a joke. <laughs> I do read the cliff notes and the monarch notes. Meh. I mean, that's how I did book reports. <laughs> I I remember uh, I remember a guy. Um, this was in a business setting, and and someone had just handed him this proposal that was, you know, tens of pages long. I, I don't know, thirty, forty, fifty pages long. And he just, you know, fanned through it and looked at the guy and said, "Will this work?" <laughs> Talk about cutting to the chase. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you obviously have the experience because you've spoken to thousands of people. So you you could write the same book because of all the interviews you do and all the knowledge you've gained from dealing with people. Well, and and that's and that's the key, John. I mean, I like to have a back and forth conversation with people, but I find the best interviews, and and the best conversations on my show, are when I bow to the expertise of the guest I've invited on to share that expertise. Doesn't make sense, for you know. Um, I mean, you tell me you're a stand-up comedian, and I start telling you jokes, and and I did that, and probably shouldn't have, but. Um, but you're you're being a really good sport about it. Um, but like I say, the best thing is you know let let those people talk and share the information that they have. It's true, but you direct it because you can tell whether it's interesting or not, and you can change gears or, or change directions with your guest so you keep the radio show interesting. If somebody's you know just bland and running on and on and on. You know, you got to take control of an interview. But if it's an interesting interview, of course, you, you're going to let it go. Um, at dinner parties, there's one thing I've been, it's been unbelievable. If you've gone to a dinner party with like eight people, 
Yeah, I have table questions, okay? I am not going to let two people sitting next to each other have a conversation about where they shop or where they go to dinner. I want a table conversation, and I ask a table question. The reason I know how, how this works is because when I used to do fundraisers for Chris Christie as the Republican leader and he was the governor, he, everyone wanted to talk to Chris Christie. So he would sit in the middle of the table, and people would ask him questions. But we didn't allow side conversations because it wouldn't be fair for the person sitting next to Christie, right? We've done that with you know presidential candidates. My point is, so we ask the question: If you went across the country in a van, you could put any three people from history in your van. Who would you put in? And then you learn about the people at your dinner party, as opposed to people wandering through nonsense conversations about their kids or their cousin or this, what book they read. There, I don't allow that. You come to my dinner party, you answer the question, or you move on. That's it. Who would your three favorites be? That's funny. So I wanted Jesus Christ, George Carlin, and George Herbert Walker Bush. I wanted Jesus Christ because obviously he's a major figure in history and religion. And George Carlin, who always puts down Jesus Christ in his comedy, right? And George Bush, one who I've been a big fan of, who could moderate the discussion. (laughs) (laughs) I could hardly get that out. But the people put in, it's amazing who, you know, as a former attorney general, he says, I want my state trooper and my two dogs. His wife didn't like that one, I'll tell you that. Woo! <laughs> oh, that is funny. I, I And I'm not sure who mine would be. I, you know, I think Groucho Marx would be on the list. Oh, that's fabulous. Oh, that's um, tremendous. But but really, that, that spot is taken in your car um, by George Carlin. Um, you know, it's interesting, but think about that. You learn about the people. Right, at the dinner party, and then the conversation. The other thing is, describe your house that you grew up in. People never describe their house. They describe stuff that happened in the house, right? The parents or whatever. And you get to know people, and it just, the dinner party flies by. I just, you have to prepare conversation for a dinner party, and you have to have questions like that. And my wife goes, well, why are you doing this to the people that are having a good time? I go, well, you think they're having a good time, but if they, well, if everybody knows each other, it's different. This is normally when the people are not that close. How has the uh, pandemic impacted the uh, release of this book? Well, I think it's, it, it sells pretty well because people are on the Internet. Of course, this is through Amazon, as opposed to, actually, my wife's an artist. Her paintings sold more during the pandemic than ever before, and that's because people have a lot of time to be online. They're looking around their house. They're looking for things to do. So, yes, it was a sex- successful time for things like books and paintings and art and furniture because people are home. And they, and they need and they need things to do. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I was thinking as you were talking about those those people that want to tell you everything about their life, their new car, their surgery, you know, whatever. And and I thought, you know, people have been closed up because of all the various restrictions and quarantines and closures, and and now they get a chance to get out and they're dying to tell everybody everything, but they haven't been up to anything. yeah that's right it's like seinfeld it's all about nothing right right right. talk about exactly i'm going to tell you about nothing for the next hour what gets me crazy is somebody could tell a story in two minutes and it takes 20 minutes so like this i'm going to make a long story short really 
Who's ever made a long story short? Nobody. It's the <laughs> same story they wanted to tell. They just kind of give you a heads up, which is untrue. That's um, that's funny because uh, I, I grew up in a house of uh, storytellers, and um, they were not big fans of, uh, if you could say it, you, you weren't really allowed to say something in three words if it could be done in 30. Well, I, that's why I have very few meetings in my law office. I go like this. They want to tell you know, when I started in 19... Well, oh, I'll right. stipulate to your credentials. I'll stipulate to the history. Just tell me what your point is. I, 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 can't, I, I don't want to muddle through all this nonsense. What do you want? People call me all the time and ask me for stuff. I will do anything for any constituent, anybody help. Just get to the point. Okay, because I got a lot of stuff on my plate, right? Oh, hey, John, how's the family? How are you? How's Patricia? What's going on? I go like this, look. We'll get to that at some other time. Why are you calling? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, the art of conversation has really taken a hit the last several decades. Yeah, you bet. Well, everything's on the internet, and all this, you know, and that's why everyone's on their phone too. So, you know, you, you know, people, and that's the worst thing. You're telling somebody something, and they're looking at their phone. You must be kidding. If you have to look at your phone, I'll go like this. Look, I'm so sorry. I got a glance at this. I'm waiting for you know somebody to call me. You know, my daughter, my son, blah blah blah. Just don't pick up and start li looking at your phone while someone's talking to you. You know, that should that should be a picture on the cover of your book, John. Well, the picture is me having a drink. Yeah, right. Uh, and which I, which you, I love, by the way. But I, I was just thinking that, you know, that's the ultimate why people don't like you. Is you're standing there in a group of people and you're looking at your mobile device. It's like three teenagers walking down the street. They're all walking, looking at the phone. They're crossing the street, looking at their phones. You know, we have deer crossings. You need, like, Generation X crossings, uh, and they should have a picture of a head looking down at a phone crossing the street. Beware of teenager. People look up from their phones at the table and look around and go, Oh, when did you get here? <laughs> well, that, now, that's funny. That, that's that, that's real. I just, you know, the truth of the matter is, regardless of all this, being kind to other people, right, listening to other people, using your eye contact to stay with the other person, that is the first step. The second step is to ask people questions about them. So, you know, if you haven't met anybody before, where'd you grow up? You know, what kind of work do you do? I don't ask about family, though, because I don't know if someone has kids or doesn't have kids. So I try not to ask personal questions, but I do ask things about, you know, where you grew up. You know, tell me a little bit about what you do. People like that. John, I, I've got to end it here. And I, I feel like, like you mentioned earlier, we could talk about this stuff for hours because it needs to be talked about. The book is Why People Don't Like You by uh, John Bramnick, who is the uh, New Jersey Assemblyman known as the funniest lawyer in New Jersey. Um, John, I've had so much fun with this. I hope you will come back and, and talk some more. And um, very quickly, we've got about 30 seconds. Um, I want to make sure that um, all guests get a chance to let listeners know where they can find out more. Do you have a website? 
Yeah, you can actually go to a funniestlawyerinnewjersey.com or johnbramnick.com or just go to Amazon and buy the book, and then <laughs> all the information is right in the book. And I give most of this money away to food uh, pantries and that kind of thing. It's not a money-making thing for me. I'm a trial lawyer by trade. So Hi, if you want to learn about why people Blue don't Hines, like you. Thanks, John. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. 
The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. humor of Brooks Hayes of Arkansas, special assistant to the president. My grandson, a 15-year-old red-headed, wise-cracking high school lad, um, loves to cut me down to size. This grandson was in to see me recently. He saw some books on my desk, passed over some that I had produced, only two. I'm, I haven't produced them in great volume, but uh, one, I and I make this reference, uh, believe me, with some sense of modesty, the first book was one produced for the Baptists. When I was elected president of the convention, they thought they should have a book. <laughs> and then later, the University of North Carolina asked me for a book on the Little Rock story. My uh, father was asked when this book came out, uh, Mr. Hayes, have you read Brooks's last book? He said, I hope so. <laughs> and uh, then uh, the... Um, but uh, this lad uh, didn't comment on those two books. He looked at the third one, which said, How to Get and Keep the Job You Want. He said he was four years late getting that one to you. <laughs> but uh, I've been quite happy in this assignment. Uh, even uh, the uh, proximity to Arthur Schlesinger is enjoyable. The president put me there, I think, so if any hard questions came up, uh, Mr. Schlesinger had me. And, uh, <laughs> someone in a dinner meeting, uh, someone I was with in Washington at a banquet recently, uh, just that, and he said, well, the trouble with uh, you and Arthur Schlesinger is that you're both answering questions nobody's asked, <laughs> uh, which, uh, which I submit was a thoroughly partisan comment. Uh, well, we're at the east end of the White House, and we're easy to reach, and I hope if you're there, you'll come to see us. Uh, someone said, Mr. Hayes, are you close to Mr. Kennedy? And I said, philosophically and politically and intellectually, yes, very close. I said, physically, uh, I'm over here on the east end. It's like the little lady said when I asked her in Pope County if she had seen Halley's Comet. She said, just from a distance. <laughs> In this election year, in particular, I have to be careful. There is a difference, you know. I remember one year when one of our colleagues had been through the South, and when he got back, he confronted an Alabama member with uh, this uh, comment. said, Bill, you're in trouble. I've been in your district, and Henry Wilson's announced against you. Well, he said, I'm not surprised. I know that fellow. He's a thief and a crook and a liar. He's the kind of man that would run against me. <laughs> well, he said, I've got more bad news. said, George Johnson's going to announce against you tomorrow. Well, he said he's the same type of individual. He's a thoroughly evil person. He's lucky to be out of the penitentiary. And then he said, look, I'm just kidding you. I saw them both. They're for you and sent you their regards. And, uh, 
produced this comment. Well, see what you've made me do. I've said some ugly things about two of the sweetest, finest men I've ever known. I remembered uh, the experience of 1933. I ran in a special election in that year for a seat in the Congress, the one that I was to win uh, nine years later. But in 1933, the Depression year, and it was a terrible year, and this is a rural district, remember. Uh, maybe you suffered too from the Depression, but as one of my farmer friends said, Brooks, this Depression wouldn't have been near so bad if it hadn't come along right in the middle of hard times. <laughs> to a Georgia audience not long ago, and the chairman said, well, Mr. Hayes, Arkansas was not alone. Georgia had it, too. I said, uh, he said, uh, I asked a fellow once, do you remember 1933? He said, sure. That's the year I broke my arm. And I said, uh, broke your arm? He said, yes, I was eating my breakfast, and I fell out of the persimmon tree. <laughs> so... Uh, Some of my first lessons, I should say, if you will permit me to enter this delicate area, were in this little church down in Arkansas, a little congregation. And in uh, my first lessons, really, in democracy, were in that Baptist church. You non-Baptists, forgive me. This is not propaganda. Uh, it just happened to be a Baptist church, and I am a Baptist. I'm almost as bad as Brother Puckett, who opposed the consolidation of our church with the Christian church. He said, I'm a Baptist, and nobody's going to make a Christian out of me. And, and, uh, and sometimes there'd be differences over whether to buy uh, some, a new organ or not. And sometimes those are interesting discussions. I remember when they wanted to buy a new chand uh, buy a chandelier, not a new one, but because the ladies wanted a chandelier. And the, one of the deacons said, well, now we can't do it. Said if we went to order it, we wouldn't know how to spell it. <laughs> and said, uh, and, and, and he said, anyway, uh, if we got one, nobody knew how to play it. <laughs> And he said, anyway, I'm telling you, I think all the deacons agree that if we're going to spend any money on anything new, we need a new light fixture. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. has something its Rotary Club can boast of. Some product that the state produces the most of. Rhode Island is little but oh my, it has a product anyone would buy. Beaches come from Georgia and lobsters come from Maine. The wheat fields are the sweet fields of Nebraska. 
gets bonanzas from the grain. Old whiskey comes from old Kentucky. Ain't the country lucky? New Jersey gives us glue. Yeah. 
Bennett's, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.